0: Rock Elite, a podcast about no effects. La, 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 Oh, sorry, you caught me in the middle of a vocal warm-up. I'm sure that won't come back at any point. Welcome to Punk Rock Elite, a podcast about no effects. I'm Eddie French and I'm here with... Red Redmond, that is me. Oh, now you know which one of us is talking oh how you been doing red? I'm very well thank you. how are you good yes all right thank you yes uh it's been it's i've i've been i've been doing uh i've been a lot of gigs, which is nice.
1: Great, right. that's awesome comedy gigs
0: yes comedy gigs uh comedy and whether you well i could just say comedy yes but one of them was improv so some people don't count that so that's been good i've got another one this evening so it's been uh, quite a, a busy week uh, but luckily i ensure that thursday mornings are always clear so that we can do these how about yourself
1: absolutely yeah i've, I've been out and done a couple gigs myself Cool. Um, and I also, I went to the cinema last night to watch Guardians of the Galaxy and right. it was good. Oh, I've, I've missed good Marvel movies. So I'm, I'm very happy today.
0: Well, that makes a difference from the first two. Did I say that? Was that a hot take I sprinkled in there? <laughs> Sorry, I just find that uh, I find that Star-Lord actor just insufferable to watch.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you won't like the third one then.
0: No 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 I didn't like (laughs) the first two. Um, I get the impression if you like the first two the third one's very much up your alley and if you didn't then you know. Yeah I think that's probably
1: fair that's
0: definitely fair. I'm I'm fine with it Um, it's not a problem. Um, (laughs) They make so many of them if you don't like one of them you
1: can just wait around a bit you're not in any. That is very true I've, I've been like super disappointed with the recent output I wasn't a big fan of the recent Black Panther or the uh, the the recent Ant Man. So th- this was a nice um, surprise.
0: Not seen the recent Ant Man. Uh, did enjoy the first
1: two. So I'll see um, what the yeah um, um, Ant Man one and two are great. Oh like, okay, right. They're some of the best MCU movies, and the third one is ah. Uh, in fact, I would love uh, if you go and see it. Please do let me know what you think. Because I, I is... will do.
0: I will do. Um, my. My tastes are—I uh, mean, some people accuse me of being uh, deliberately contrary, but I—I um, <laughs> I can't abide those uh, types of people. So uh, it's not if I say I like something or I don't like something; I am genuine in—in—in uh, in, in it. Um, but uh, I thought I—I uh, I, I thought Wakanda Forever was okay. Didn't mind it. I—it's uh, it's not were... as
1: good, like. There were loads the of bits quality about of the first, it.
0: It's, uh, well, sure, uh, but I really loved the first one and I thought it was sort of an impossible film to make because of, obviously, the, the tragic mm-hmm. circumstances and things like that. How do you, do you, you know, there was well, an idea, recast or not, um, harp on about it or not. You know, either way, they were going to have a load of people going, this is preposterous. And so it was kind of... I thought I thought there were some bits in it that I really really liked. Uh, yeah, that's definitely. But there's good bits. But um, it wasn't cohesive because I think when you're making a film about grief, you kind of have to be past the grieving process yourself. And I don't know that everybody mm, was.
1: That's a really really interesting point. I, I think it's, that's a very fair. It, fair it, view I,
0: or... Yeah, I think some people consider that to be too generous, but I don't think it can be overstated how uh, how uh, you know. You uh, you can process it once you've processed it, if you like. Okay, good. Now we're a therapy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Put a question mark on the end and we're still in roughly the same area. But yeah, so um, yeah, that, that's... Um, See what you yeah, did there. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, oh, actually, we got a bit of uh, feedback today on the Facebook page uh, this oh, yeah. morning because our ribbed episode came out today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, very early this morning, so someone was up bright and early listening to the pop, which we love to hear and thank you for doing that really do absolutely. Uh, said uh, pretty much disagree with all of your takes on this album. Uh, respectfully, <laughs> they put respectfully disagree so uh, yeah, but you did redeem yourself with the Wayneswell pronunciation of Miliwake. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I don't remember saying, but um, sure.
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, that is that that is. I'm going to take that as a oh, absolutely, as a yeah.
0: I oh, can't say fairer than that. I think that's um, I think that's grand. So yeah, thank you, thank you for getting in touch and uh, and you know what, we, we we absolutely understand that if you don't like what we're saying about stuff, that's fine. Uh, the respectfully oh. disagreeing is uh, is preferable, but <laughs> disagreeing um, is not discouraged.
1: Absolutely, I mean, like I, I think, like uh, you know, obviously, art is subjective. But like we're very accepting that. Look, like we're not saying that this is like the. We're not laying down the law here and saying no. this is what this album is. This is just like our personal take on it, and we're really mm. interested in hearing everyone else's personal takes on the album. Absolutely,
0: yes. Well, let's let's put it this way. Um, uh, I've stated before, my girlfriend is not a No Effects fan, so clearly not enjoying No Effects is not a sort of uh prohibitor to uh being someone who i care about you know we're not we're not you know crazy that way but also um when we were talking about uh, white trash during that recording uh, emma was sat on the sofa that is over there um mm-hmm. and uh, i just got a whatsapp through from her saying oh that's sticking in my eye song i like that one so you know cool. We're just reminding people. I go, there's, there's so many of them. There's so many songs. One of them's bound
1: to, bound to take a box for you. But anyway, I yeah. think that we should actually do a bonus episode uh, with our girlfriends because my girlfriend is also not a fan of no effects. <laughs> um, and I, yeah. I'd love, I'd love for them to maybe listen to an album or a few tracks that we put together and hear their take on it because maybe we'll. Effects we'll is a band that Kate loves to turn off in the car whenever they come on.
0: Wow. Um, <laughs> the, um, it was um, uh, Stu from Face Down. Um, yes. He, uh, he mentioned that he'd uh, made a, a playlist for a friend of his, sent it to her, and she sent back, um, this song slaps, this song slaps, until it got to anarchy camp, and then it was uh, Scar. Bath emoji <laughs> the lady in question i've forgotten her name i do apologize um she, she clips that bit of audio uh from the uh episode and uh and shared that on instagram and said uh my hatred of scar is now uh is now recorded for forever and posterity so uh, <laughs> we've had we've had uh we've had both opinions of scar <laughs> yeah on because this I mean, podcast like you can't- so
1: you can't sit on the fence with scar apparently not
0: no um oh,
1: speaking of which have you seen the film renfield i haven't yet but it's on my list
0: it's i really really liked it uh nicolas cage plays um uh, bella legosi's dracula it's sort of it's a direct sequel to the uh, the old one but it's set now
1: oh and really is that is that like the idea
0: yeah yeah it's a, it's sort of hammer it's it's hammer um lovely con- continuity uh, with Renfield, the lawyer who uh, goes to Dracula in the in, in the not Hammer Universal. Did I say Hammer? I'm talking shit. I got a Hammer. Yes, yeah, Universal. Got a, yeah, I got a Christopher Lee um, Dracula T-shirt the other day. Um, so Hammer's been on my mind. No, it was Univ- the Universal Dracula.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Renfield, the lawyer who goes over to visit the Count. Uh, he um, that's Nicholas Holtz character
1: yes of course yeah
0: so uh but then they find themselves in modern day la after the the premise is is that they're in modern day la because uh dracula keeps on getting uh renfield to go and get him prey and then every Mm -hmm. so often he goes actually i'll go and get my own and lays waste to a village and then they have to move and they've slowly (laughs) worked their way across europe and then now they've come to the new world um so yeah and um brilliant Yes, it's 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 really really good fun. It's um, yeah, it's got a lot of um, everything everywhere all at once energy. Like not really similar oh, okay. films, but the sort Interesting. of f- the frenetic energy in the action sequences reminded me of uh, of that. So, but yeah, huge amount mm. of fun. If you want to see Nick Cage, just I mean. You might think he's putting the brakes on, but he's really really enjoying this he's yeah, he's having yeah, a wonderful yeah. time this is uh you know he either overacts or underacts this is definitely it's maybe slightly more restrained than vampire's kiss sure uh, the one sure. where the meme comes from uh but uh yeah it's tremendous tremendous fun, but there is a a sort of a running joke regarding scar.
1: Oh, brilliant! Well, I mean, I, yeah. I need to I need to yeah, watch yeah. it now.
0: It's um, yeah, it's it's very very funny, and uh, I think only Emma and I. It wasn't a very full um, cinema, but only Emma and I were really heavily laughing at that one. I think everyone else was slightly less familiar with the uh, with the much maligned genre. <laughs> Although, actually, um, getting back to the matter in hand, not a great deal of scar present on uh, Punk and Drublick
1: no i mean yeah. obviously you've got rico you've got um, rico
0: and you've got um a little bit in dig
1: yeah yeah but it's not you know because um i've also uh, i will admit like we listen i've listened to punkin Punk Drublick over the past week but i've also uh i went ahead and listened to so long and thanks for all the shoes oh, yeah. which does have a large amount of that's got a huge amount it. yeah you skipped um, heavy petting zoo I did yeah. What what, what a prick. Yeah, that's no, fine.
0: <laughs> but uh, no, I mean to be honest between the two I'd always, and and also that's not the homework so you know I'd always listen to uh, so long thanks for all the shoes which is a lot scarier absolutely. But um well I think we've uh, whetted the appetites enough so we'll uh, leave the intro for now. Uh, if you have anything to say about any of the films that we've spoken about or indeed uh, <laughs> this album punk rock podcast at gmail.com. And uh, do get in touch all through the Facebook or Insta. Yes, we're on Facebook, but we are old. So, you know, sue us. Um, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be sharing some top quality boomer conspiracies on there later on. Uh, <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that uh, Joe Biden is the uh, CIA operative who's causing no effects to uh, stop touring. So, and we'll share good reasons as to that later. So enjoy them. <laughs> uh, but we'll see you in the main body. And here we are, Punk and Droblik. Many this is going to be interesting because this is the one that people think of a lot of the time.
1: Absolutely. I mean, like this could potentially be, you know, uh one of the more popular episodes, just with it being um yeah. arguably the most popular NoFX album.
0: I would think so, yeah, absolutely. Six years after its release, it became gold, sold five hundred thousand <laughs> copies in six years um and it's i think it's probably st- oh no a worldwide sold over a million copies
1: okay sure sure
0: which which is quite a small amount considering the number of people i know who own it
1: well i imagine it is one of those albums that has been pirated to death
0: oh yeah absolutely it will be but you know there, there comes a certain time in everyone's life when they think this third this you know this tape that already had something else recorded on it needs to be and you just you just you know stump it up don't you because but anyway (laughs) um yeah it's uh the longest one so far 40 minutes
1: yeah we were chatting about this before recording but i mean the the song length on Mm. all of the songs is still pretty short there's only one song over over three minutes apart from the final track, which obviously has a, a secret track on the end, yes. um, but yeah, it so is sc- seventeen yeah. tracks. That is a lot of tracks. It is.
0: It's the it's the the most helpings of no effects you get in one go. Um, but then you know there are f- songs like the Quas, Jeff Wears Birkenstocks and Punk mm-hmm. Guy that don't even make it to one and a half minutes.
1: Yes, very true. I I suppose, like, uh, on a re-listen, I was surprised because I just, I didn't remember it being 17 tracks long.
0: No, well, things like um, The Quas and Dying Degree sort of blend together as one. They're sort of parts one and two of the same thing. So you could argue maybe that's just a single track, but... Mm -hmm. But even then, I, but I think um, I don't think there's very long spaces in between the songs, which yeah. can make a massive difference. Sometimes there'll be like a, a couple of moments of silence at the end of a track and, and then and l- and the album breathes a little bit. This feels a lot more, you know, get to the end.
1: Absolutely. Can't and expect. I think one of the things that like first hits me with this album is, uh, look, I know um, at this point, Hefe's been in the band a while. He's mm. done the EP, Along Longest Line, and then White Trash, and now Punkin' and Drublik. But I think what and, I'm really and struck I'd imagine,
0: by... I'd, I'd imagine a, a big chunk of touring off the back of both of those
1: as well. Of course, of course. But what I'm really struck by is, like, it doesn't feel like there's ever, like, a buffer period where Hefe is learning how to fit into the band. Um, across all of those three... Um, albums uh he's you know like he feels like he is very much firmly you know a part of no DNA from the yeah. start
0: yeah he feels he feels permanent the moment he comes in yeah and I it's difficult to say whether the uh whether uh Dave Casillas and Steve Kidwiler felt that way because we know that they weren't so it's hard to sort of mm-hmm. get that vibe but yeah, it it feels cohesive, sort of straight away, and and possibly more so on this one. Partly yeah. because they're sort of not they're not putting in the sort of very obvious showcases like they did on longest line white trash. You know we've uh, we've got some. The, the, all of the Hefe elements are used a little more sparingly, or like the sort of atypical punk elements that Hefe brings. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's not a huge amount of trumpet on this one. There's a, you know, there's a very little scar we were talking about, you know. Yeah. And uh, the voice, you know, he's not singing in any accents, which he does three of in um, White Trash. Because he's because yep. uh, uh, he's doing his uh, sort of Mexican voice in Johnny Appleseed. He's doing the jazz voice in Straight Edge. He's doing the uh, Pliny's voice in uh, Buggly Eyes. Is
1: is there a little bit of voice in? Oh, is it? I feel like it's one of the earlier tracks. Is it in Dig? Um, the uh, oh, he
0: does. He, uh, he does. My heart is yearning.
1: Of well, course, yeah.
0: He does that thing, and that, and then the impressions, which I don't count because they're just, you know, he does the oh hell, he was even more punk than me, <laughs> um, which he changes, uh, you know, for live and stuff. Does his different uh, impressions, and then he does a load of them at the end. That's what the secret track is: uh, him trying different takes of he was even more punk than me. Yeah,
1: because I was uh, when I was listening to this album, uh, I was driving to a gig, hmm. and. Um, i've got uh ways the app which oh. is like a you know a sat nav app mm-hmm. and uh it got to the final track and my ways app talks over the album like if i'm oh. listening to an album so like it was, it was switching between like Bear left, and, and then like Hefe just doing like a Daffy Duck impression or something.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Bear <laughs> left, and then Popeye tells you that he's more punk than you. Yeah. uh Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh so so. I think the sort of Hefe's presence is less showcased in a in a less sort of flagrant way. And mm-hmm. is more just a part of it, if you like. Because he's got the he's got that lovely little guitar solo in Rico, the sort of bluesy number yeah. just before it goes punk. Um he's got um yeah, the the silly voice and the um trumpet in um My Heart Is Yearning. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, it's very much sort of more. You know, straight up. Well, basically, we've got we've got the fat sound now. Is what we're looking at.
1: What's the um the song about? Um, you know, what's your definition of freedom? Is that oh, is that,
0: that is perfect government.
1: Right. I was thinking, was that that one? Because that's um written by Mark Curry, who yes. Hefe was in a band with previously.
0: Yes, and Mark Curry actually sings the opening lines of that.
1: Right, because that's what I, I thought that might have been Hefe doing a funny voice.
0: No, Hefe does it live because he can do an impression right. of Mark Curry. But they were friends with <laughs> Mark Curry, so they got him in to uh, to do that. Uh, you know, and he sings it just like he does on his version, which mm-hmm. is a much more acoustic sort of you know laid back kind of vibe. But um, yeah, no, Hefe sings it live. Uh, Like that in the Mark Curry's voice, but because that according, yeah, the personnel on here, yeah,
1: and and like obviously, you know, super excited because this is one of the albums that we're gonna hear start to finish at the Leeds show on twenty sixth of May,
0: twenty sixth of May, which uh, may have happened by now. I haven't got a look at the um, the thing, but if not, we might squeeze squeeze it out before. Actually, we might do um because it would be nice to have one of the albums that we're actually going to see which ones are we seeing we're seeing this one and Wolves we don't have we definitely won't make it in time for Wolves um no you know we we've got a long way away but we might be able to get this one out and i think that there's a lot of people i suspect who might have been giving our podcast a chance and we thank them for it thank you very Absolutely. much if you have done that but we're sort of waiting for one of the bigger hitters Because there's always going to be people who are like white trash forever, Mm -hmm. and we respect that. But even those people have to admit that Punk and Droblik is sort of the one, the first biggie.
1: I mean, you know, like, I mean, we haven't even mentioned it yet, but it starts with linoleum.
0: It does, uh, which I think Fat Mike has said he thinks that's why people think it's their best one.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like for me personally, like you know, it's not it's not my uh, favorite album uh, mm. of of theirs, but it's certainly up there. And I think now I know I've said you know um, I, th- I feel like it's generally considered that Punkin Drublic is North X's best or most popular album. I th- you know, it's also probably universally agreed that you know Lino- Linoleum is their most popular song.
0: I think it's their most iconic song. Mm, I would I'd be I'd be happy to say that I mean obviously best we don't know favorite it's a lot of people's favorites there's something it's so fast that riff is so simple but and also the moment it starts you go oh you know the (laughs) you know that if you watch and there are plenty of them watch like bands who aren't no effects going oh this is a cover song or you might recognize this one and just that the audience go oh we know what's happening now mm-hmm. it's 2 minutes long it's got all of the all of the good stuff that you want to have a no effects punk number uh, maybe not the mel yell which is a shame uh, but it's showing off eric sandin doing what he does yeah. so brilliantly that um all of that stuff and it's just it's got the harmonies, it's got uh, the big long bit where everything drops away except for one muted guitar doing the, you know, the, the, the sing along bits. It's got a slower bit when it comes back in and then it goes back to full pelt before the end and, and it wraps it all up in two minutes without ever seemingly repeating a section of the song. Um, and Absolutely. so it's sort of, it's like quintessential I, I... no effects really.
1: Absolutely agree. And and also, I know we've already uh, mentioned this on the show before, but like uh, No Effects clearly, um, you know, the first track on each of their albums is mm-hmm. usually one of the strongest. And I think here they're like really perfecting that craft because, yeah. uh, I mean, obviously, as, you, as you've mentioned, this is arguably No Effects' most iconic song. And mm. I, I think it's just really interesting that it's the opening track because... You know so many of the strongest tracks from each of the album are the opening track, and yeah, you know they they just love to start strong,
0: yeah, I mean, they wrote a literal sequel to <laughs> of this course. song
1: Lanulium.
0: Lanulium, yeah absolutely it it's literally a sequel to a song it's you know? also
1: I was listening to um is it first ditch attempt? Um, first ditch effort i think that's I it yes, yes, right. yes first ditch yes. effort yes um and on oxymoron they call back to linoleum they uh, one of the lines is linoleum is the floor i'm on i'm an oxymoron so like uh you know it's uh it's very much yeah. in the lexicon of like you know no effects fans and uh, you know like they know that they can play with it and refer to it um you know it, it it's it's lovely
0: yeah. Yeah, um yeah, it, it's not I mean it's also mentioned in um, a song by La Tigre. Oh, really? Yes. I've forgotten the name of it, but it says something about uh linoleum is stupid or something. Is it like it like slags it off cuz uh, Kathleen <laughs> Hanna and Fat Mike have had uh, have had words in the past.
1: Fair enough. Um, I like both.
0: Yeah, yeah, no so do I. Um I mean it was yeah, it's in the it's on the um so long song kill rock stars uh so is it um what's the what's the name of the song called is it called kill rock stars it might be um but that was her label and um and he felt that uh she was uh she was man-hating to a fault and uh uh, and specifically pointed out I think it was something to do with like how no effects were like a sort of a fratty band or something. And I'm like oh, right. so- they sort of are and they sort of aren't. It's uh, they're a, a strange hinterland. Yeah. Um it's with with no effects and stuff like that it's like trying to figure out the politics of south park it's like well you're not going to get a proper answer so you might as well not bang <laughs> your head against the wall all day trying to work it out you know <laughs> just <laughs> accept not all of it's going to be for you you know that's fine
1: yeah um, yeah yeah
0: um you know and and sort of ultimately you know i think overall a force for good but you know what's ever been a purely force for get We're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, Yeah, I think, um, yeah, interestingly, Linoleum, um, Linoleum's one of those songs that's like a super fan favorite without having been a single. Not that No Effects are really a single kind of band, but they released two singles off of this. They released Don't Call Me White and Leave It Alone.
1: Oh, okay. So Linoleum, that's so odd to me.
0: Yep, Linoleum, not a single. And Leave It Alone was released in 1995. Hmm. So they released, so that was, so this, so, okay, well, we'll do this. It was recorded uh, between sort of 93 and 94. So, and because it was released in July, I'm going to guess it was probably like a December through to January kind of period of time. It doesn't specify on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Um, And they released Don't Call Me White in May. Oh, actually, (laughs) haha. They released "Don't Call Me White" on the eleventh of May, nineteen ninety-four, which is today—the day we're oh. recording it. Oh, so, yeah. um, so <laughs> that was um, twenty-nine years ago. Wow! Fuck me. Twenty. 20- <laughs> I feel a bit sick. Twenty. Um, uh, 20- <laughs> oh God! Um, Kurt Cobain was still alive, I think. Uh, maybe he wasn't. Um, but. Um, yeah, so twenty nine years ago today, uh, "Don't Call Me White" was released as a single before the nineteenth of July, nineteen ninety four, when Punk and Drobelik was released the full album, um, and then in it just says nineteen ninety five. Leave it alone. So well after this was released, they released "Leave It Alone" as a single. You'd have, you know, it, you'd have thought Linoleum would have been a a surefire pick but yeah leave it alone leave As it alone if- not- notably the only song written by fat mike and eric melvin
1: yes um this. yeah and also like i uh leave it alone is one of my like favorite no effects tracks um mm. and on a re-listen like i know uh when people think of punk and drub-lick, they immediately think of linoleum it's the opening track it's you know one of no FX's biggest Biggest tracks ever, but, but for me, like "Leave It Alone" is is a real standout on this album. And I think that if, and you know, modifying the question that we ask all of our guests a little bit, you know, when we ask them uh how would you get someone into No Effects, if it was a bit stricter and you had one track to play someone to mm. get across what No Effects are, yeah, I would potentially choose "Leave It Alone." Gosh,
0: because that's a sort of a it's. It, it's quite fast, but it doesn't have that, uh, you know, the double kick. It's got more of a sort of a, a mod yeah. drum beat. It's that... Like, mm. Rather than... P-chum, 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 p-chum. For any musicians out there, you'll know that that was accurate and good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> rather than just noise. But yeah, it's... Um, so it's a bit... It's got... The, the harmonies are great. They actually yeah, made a video. A it's got the nananas. Um which turns up in, I think there's a song in So Long where they actually have, right at the end, quite low in the mix, another da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na <laughs> ending, which is uh, quite cool. And um, yeah, I, th- I think, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Oh, yeah, it
1: was what they actually made a video for it. Yes, I've heard this. I've, no, I've not seen it, but I've, I've, um, I've
0: heard. It's it's them playing in a house. Fair. Some people skateboard outside the house. Jefe pulls a funny face when he's doing backing vocals. <laughs> it's pretty standard. Yeah, it's nothing... Because uh, I did a video for um, Sticking in My Eye as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think these were all like sort of... You know, I, I assume Epitaph footed the bill for, for those ones. Thinking, uh, look, this is all well and good, lads, but we could do with a few more of these being sold. We have paid for you to record them, which is a, a fair position to be in, really. Um,
1: They're not really a band I think of when it comes to music videos. There's probably no. only a handful of them that I'm familiar with. Maybe like the first being like Franco on American. Yes, which then... they don't
0: feature in. Yeah, animated... yeah. It's an animation. The Big yeah. Drag as well. That was animated as well. Um, ah. They did one for um,
1: Oxymoronic. Well, Uh, I'm pretty sure they did a video for every track on that album, or at least like a lot of tracks on that album. Uh, Because they did that one. They did Six Years on Dope. Oh, they did do that one. Yeah. Um, That one was good. I thought it was at a time when they weren't able to tour. So they just put out a load of music videos. But maybe I'm misremembering.
0: No, uh that was first ditch effort. There was uh, there were videos for everything because there's but,
1: but those are on first first ditch effort.
0: No, not first ditch effort, single album.
1: Ah, okay, sure. Sorry, sure. That makes sense. I got confused. Yeah,
0: uh so yeah, I think I. those yeah, 'cause there's the there's the one where they're all committing suicide. The, I love you more than I hate me or something yep. like that. Oh, was it Derby crashing your part? Is one of those. Uh, yeah, Melvin just drops face forward into the swimming pool and stuff like that. Um, uh, so I think they did videos for those ones because yeah, they were they were they were earthbound at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, already we're starting. I mean, to be honest, this one uh, takes. Up, uh, the, you know, I said last time um White Trash, it was seven songs before I uh, looked at the skip button. Mm-hmm. This one, I I get to the sixth song and I start to think about skipping, to be honest. Sure. Just... I
1: mean, it's, it's a novelty song,
0: isn't it? My heart is yearning, yes. I don't want to skip over the others because um, we've got uh, Dig, The Cause. The Cause, mm-hmm. which is catchy as fuck.
1: Yeah, on a re-listen, I was like, of course. How had I forgotten this one? Yeah. Um brilliant. Super
0: catchy. I like Dig a lot. Dig has got a little bit of a, a scar breakdown with a, a trombonist uh uh played by Chris Dowd of Fishbone. Oh really? Yeah.
1: And haven't they just uh they've released they've re- haven't they just released like a, a released double album a st- with Fishbone?
0: No, they've released a song, just one song. It was a oh, Fishbone okay. song that already existed. Um but they've but now they've recorded a new version where No Effects join in and it turns into a punk song at the end. Um it's sort of about uh police brutality and racism and and all this kind of stuff. And then uh and so it starts off like pure classic fishbone and then no effects join in at the end. Lovely. It's pretty good. I've forgotten what it's called. Um it's got a it's got a, a cool pun name that makes sense. I've totally forgotten it. Anyway, you can find it. Fishbun No Effects. There's only one song out there, but uh but it's good. It's good. So, yep. Yeah. So uh yeah, the cause, super catchy. Um dig, which is about um finding stuff and to stealing it for a museum, which as two people from the UK we wouldn't know anything about. <laughs> We've literally just had the uh, coronation of uh, his sausage ship, King Charles, and uh, he was just festooned with other people's gems. Um,
1: <laughs> it was so funny.
0: It was because it's like a child <laughs> playing in a like playing in like you know like your your mum's like jewellery box, like a little kid putting them on going, "Look, I am a pretty lady now." Yeah, gosh, yeah, dear, you know.
1: <laughs> and it's just you can tell he's you could tell he hated all of it like yeah yeah. we we threw this like crazy expensive party so that he he could sit on a a golden chair and put a special hat on yeah and he didn't enjoy a a minute of it
0: (laughs) no and and do you know what that actually increases my opinion of him just a little bit because i'm like if he'd have been sat there (laughs) like i deserve this i'd be like oh you piece of shit the fact he's going oh my god i'm cringing my own arsehole inside out you go yeah well okay that's I can relate to that concert. Yeah, all right, fair enough, fair enough. There's some human in there somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, so um, so yeah, so that so that, I think this, you know, that's that's sort of a weird thing to write about in a way, if you think about their contemporaries. But maybe because this album was heavily influenced by "How to Clean Everything" by Propaganda.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: In the sound, in the sort of the hardcore, but the melod- but the melody. Mm -hmm. And uh, the hardcore and the melody uh, combined to make all of that. And the fact that propaganda was singing about, uh, you know, animal rights, about uh, anti-capitalist stuff. So maybe that broadened the scope. Mind you, uh, you know, bands they like, like Bad Religion, have been singing about social issues and things. And there always have been, but maybe it was amped up a bit. here.
1: You know what I was thinking the other day? In fact, maybe you'd be able to help me as you're more knowledgeable of the genre than me. Sure. uh... Have bad religion ever done a scar number?
0: I am going to say absolutely not.
1: Because that would be hilarious. <laughs>
0: I mean it would. Um, <laughs>
1: Can you imagine?
0: <laughs> I uh I just just the the sheer sort of <clears throat> sort of eyebrows down glare of Greg Graffin telling you to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up.
1: Jamaican Jesus.
0: Yeah, yeah. Jamaican (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Um, No. but Scar, Bad Religion. I mean there's... um, Mad Caddies did a cover of Sorrow on their uh, Punk Rock Steady covers album. Cool. They did a cover of uh, Propaganda as well. Um, They did... um, I can't remember which one it was. Uh but they did a, a Propagandy cover in Scar which is super impressive which I think Mike suggested they do just to annoy Propagandy <laughs> because they have a very much a, a love-hate relationship to uh Fat Mike and uh Propagandy which we may get into on another occasion. Uh yes. in fact um big shout out to uh Unscripted Moments the podcast about Propagandy. Uh, sent us a very nice, encouraging message uh, saying that they were really, really enjoying it. Um, so uh, hello to them. And do listen to them if that sounds like a good idea, which it, I would say that it is. They've got so many episodes, so you can have a nice deep dive on that. Uh, but yeah, so so I think maybe uh, spreading out a little bit more. And then yeah, Don't Call Me White, Come, you know, got to mention that one, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it, you know... It it's hard to imagine no effects without this track, you know, Mm. because I know we've spoken a lot about linoleum and leave it alone and how they're sort of like quintessential no effects tracks. Yeah. Um, And I think that this is, you know, potentially um, another track that's kind of adjacent to that. Um, You know, I put this in a similar group as uh, murder the government. Yep. um, And I don't know. It, it, you know, it it's just it's just another quintessential no track, but also it feels quite unique within their sound.
0: Yes, it is. Well it sort of starts off, you know, just the big crashes and the and the sort of the hanging chords and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then sort of all of the instruments are sort of stripped away except for the drums and then just the little doo-doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo-doo. and there's a lot of sort of suspense. Um yeah. I think the I think there's a lot of drama in the in the uh, song and the way it's sort of uh, arranged. Also, it's a um, it's a song with a standard songwriting structure. Mm. Verse, or sort of starts with the chorus, then verse, chorus, uh, verse, chorus, and a, then a bridge at the end, and then a final chorus.
1: Ah, yeah, which is, you know, very unusual for no effects. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Didn't you say, like, linoleum... It kind of doesn't have a chorus. It kind of uses a bridge as a chorus.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no the there's no bit that repeats particularly. Mm. Melodically, uh chord wise, a tiny variation, maybe, but yeah, it's um if you had to point out what the chorus is, you maybe if you were a stickler for it, you could say um
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: But and that enough to be a chorus? It's certainly enough for a lot of people to scream it all at once. So is that you know? But and, but then, no effects have never really had. They've never been sticklers for that kind of thing. I mean, leave it alone. Ironically, has quite a standard. You know, has a verse, chorus, verse. You know, differential, yeah. but. Um, but yeah, so uh, but yeah, don't call me white. I think I don't. I think. That certainly linoleum and don't call me white are likely to be two of the every show songs.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because I think
0: I think I've even seen them and they've not played the bruise.
1: Oh, absolutely! they they I've definitely seen them without playing.
0: Even though I um, consider that to be a sort of a must-have on a on a no effects set list.
1: It's not really a song that I'd paid attention to much um, until our yeah. chat with uh, uh, Karina Danike um, yeah. the other week. And obviously for her, it is uh, one of her favorite NoFX tracks. Yeah. And I think she made a really good point, which made me revisit it, where she was like, oh, if you just sort of like hear it off the cuff, you might just think it's just it's just like... No effects doing an oi song, but Mm. actually, if you take a look at the lyrics, it's a lot more than that. And I I have done that in the last couple days whilst uh, researching for this episode. And yeah, yeah, it, 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 you know, I I didn't know what the song was about. Essentially, Uh, I've Mm. learned a lot, and it is really interesting when you have that insight.
0: Yeah, well, that's where you've got you know, uh, hefe doing the "Come on, you schmucks, one more time for Hoichel" stuff in it, you know, and (laughs) uh, and uh, and that stuff. And it's um, yeah, I think. Because, you know, Mike has said he's a fan of oi music and it's difficult because that was that it wasn't designed to be for racists. But, you know,
1: no, absolutely not.
0: I I assume racists can just about get their heads around the word oi so they can sing along with it, (laughs) maybe. But, you know, but it's also sort of quite aggro. It's like, you know, very sort of aggressive to just shout oi at someone. It's not nice, you know. If someone shouts oi at you in the street, it's not. You don't go, oh, they want to talk, you know. So it's it's quite an abrasive thing. But and so to have that, and you know, I suppose, how do you rationalise your love of a kind of music that would have a lot of people involved who dislike you for your, you know, for an accident of birth? Well, you 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 just turn it into music for you <laughs> which isn't absolutely a very DIY
1: thing. um to 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 explain for anybody who was as clueless as me uh the, the bruise is you know it's a it's an oi song that no effects have written which is largely about um you know uh the jewish experience i guess um, a,
0: a, a fictional uh jewish skinhead yes. crew which is about a, yeah
1: you know, it's sort of like it has that the the humorous elements that we're used to of no effects, but also like there's something quite sort of uh, powerful about it, you know. Um uh we're the brews supporting anti swastika tattoos, you know. Yeah.
0: You know, we will we will go out and kick your head in if you try stuff with us. But we mm. do have to be back to observe Shabbat. <laughs> you know, it you know, it's it's you know, and, and that and I love that. That's 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 Really, really spot on my humour, and I found that you know really, really funny um, sort of thing. But it is, yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting actually. Uh, on a similar note, <laughs> uh, you're familiar with the uh, horrible band Screwdriver?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, um, you
0: know. with the uh, with the stupid dead bitch who couldn't do his car properly. Um, I've forgotten his name, but it doesn't matter. The the singer, um, but there is, is a- Plan B.
1: Uh, Plan B got cancelled after he wore a screwdriver t-shirt to a photo shoot. Fucking <laughs> He fucking claims he didn't know who they were, but
0: that's very know. possible, but come on. Um <laughs> bit of I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, I mean, if you take away all of the stuff we know about Screwdriver, screwdriver with a K, all right, it looks kind of like a cool word. I get it. I'm not I'm not blind to these things, but once you know the rest of it. Like the first album was like an apolitical thing, and they had a different singer, and so some people go, "Well, the first Screwdriver album," and a lot of those people I look at with one eyebrow raised, waiting for them to go. And obviously, after that, dreadful. And he go, "All oh, right, fine, yeah." But uh, and so yeah, <laughs> pl- it just sounded like a lot of punk that was around at the time. That first Absolutely, one, yeah, and then the uh, and then the the singer got annoyed with the uh, the worst guy. Uh, and just said, look, I'm, I'm not, because the, the bad guy, the worst guy was just like, oh, we should start doing this kind of thing and this kind of thing. And look at these lyrics I've written. And the uh, original singer was like, I think I'm going to go. <laughs> uh, and then left Screwdrivers <laughs> to become what they became. Um, but uh, there is uh, the drummer from Operation Ivy, who I believe is mm-hmm. called Dave Mello. Yes, I think that's his name. He is in a band called Jew Driver. Who, okay, who cover screwdriver songs and change the lyrics to be pro Jewish? (laughs) 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 When I found that out, I was like, that's brilliant. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work because I don't know any screwdriver songs. Like, I've read some of the lyrics and stuff, but I've not listened to them. Um, and so the. It wouldn't work like a weird owl situation because I wouldn't like I wouldn't understand why <laughs> why that is particularly funny. I might I might agree with the sentiment, but yeah. Anyway, so
1: uh, there's. I think uh, it, it must be good though if you were a fan of Screwdriver and then they came out as racists. Well, now you can go and enjoy their music guilt-free.
0: <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe. So if you if you're one of those people who's like you know goes oh, and then I then I realised how wrong I was uh, to be so uh, so prejudiced about this. But uh, some of those songs slap. You go, well, here you go, have these ones. You go, oh, well, thank you. So, you know, <laughs> that's uh, that's good. But the, um, yes, on the, uh, we'll skip forward to the Brews while we're on it. But yeah, the uh, the gang vocals in the Brews uh, is uh, a group they've named the New Jew Review. <laughs> that's the official name for the gang vocalists. And I believe one of them was Lynn Strait from Snot, who probably died fairly soon after this, I think. Um, but yeah, lots and lots of um, uh, Jews in the punk scene were uh, brought in to um, to Oi Oi and that. So I think there's, a, I'm sure there's a list of, or a partial list of them somewhere online. I um, beg your pardon, can't find it, but um, uh, I don't think they've ever put out like a full list. It's just, just their friends who, uh, who have the appropriate lineage but yeah, I uh, I love the brews. I think it's great. Really weird guitar sound on the
1: brews. Yeah. Yeah. When it yeah.
0: starts off, it's got that really, really gnarly sounding thing. It's like that would be so heavy if it was EQ'd differently, but it's Yeah.
1: Well, when when you think about it, there's um this album's a little bit all over the place. I mean, like I think it sounds cohesive and and consistent and and great and brilliant. But like there are a lot of different types of no-effect songs. Um, mm. You know, uh, the, the the Bruise, I think, is, again, quite a unique-sounding song when compared yeah. to the rest of their catalogue. And I think you can say the same for a lot of songs on here.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, there are some that... Uh, well, they've never really done a song that sounds like my heart is yearning. It, yeah. It, and I'm fine with that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah... Um, and and I suppose Rico's a little bit similar, but um but that's sort of more straightforward.
1: Yeah, I mean like they've both got like the walking bass lines, haven't they?
0: Yeah. They've both got that sort of little jazz thing in there, but um yeah, yeah, strange. Well there's like um steel drums on yes. My Heart Is Yearning and stuff like that right at the end, which makes it sound like um the Monkey Island soundtrack. <laughs> It, it always, and I'm a big fan of the Monkey Island video games. Um, and I managed not to bring that up in the uh, episode with Karina because uh, Gavin, the drummer from Dancehall Crashes, currently does the voice of Stan in the last two uh, oh, really? Monkey Island <laughs> games. Yeah, yeah. Managed to. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you can all tell me just how calm and collected I was in that episode. Uh, I remember <laughs> it as being absolutely not, um, but. <laughs> Well, I managed not to uh, <laughs> not to bore her with uh, the story of what a drummer that she last worked with, possibly getting on for 20 years ago, uh, is doing now uh, in, su- in a field that she may not have any interest in. So I think I was doing okay. But uh, yeah, that was um, on the list of things I told myself I shouldn't bring up. But I've managed to bring it
1: up now. If I had to guess a video game, which more than one member of NoFX has played, it would probably be a Monkey Island game. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I just feel like Eric Melvin sat down and played Monkey Island.
0: You feel like they're, they're old school pointing clicks. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, just the um, just those uh, brrring, gink, gink, gink noises uh, give me uh, real uh, Melee Island opening screen vibes, yeah. which is possibly where... Um, the when I was listening to this the uh the nerd I was trying not to be um (laughs) and the uh the punk I wanted to be I was like (laughs) ah there's a tiny little bit in here oh there's just a little little nicotine patch on the on the arm of uh (laughs) of that so yeah um yeah uh lovely stuff yeah perfect government I uh I really really like yes and they play that one a lot as well, live. That's, um, yeah, really, really good. Uh, I, I also recommend, if you've not heard the Mark Curry version, go out and have a listen, because it is really, really good.
1: I, I uh, actually haven't for, heard that, so I definitely need to give that a listen. And I think Perfect Government is another song where Hefe really shines through.
0: Oh, yeah, his guitar work on it's lovely. Um and he also gets to sing. How do they sleep at night? He get that's his little solo bit in the uh, in the uh, muted guitar bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, really, really great stuff. Um, yeah, the quas and dying degree. I kind of put together, like I said earlier.
1: Well, funnily enough, I, when I was uh, listening to this uh, album, um, I kind of like you know I. I when the quest uh, when the quest started i was like oh okay yeah this is the quest oh interesting you know like i think the really interesting guitar arrangement mm. um i think it's brilliant the and then like great. you know uh a minute and a half goes by i look down and it says dying degree on the yeah. track listing and i'm like oh has, has the quest ended is this yeah. a new track
0: <laughs> there's a track that does similar on um on nimrod by green day i think it's like jinx right. and Hashenka. Mm-hmm. those two are sort of the same thing or like um insomniac with the uh, brain stew and jaded they sort of just run them into one another i always like it when songs do that i i just sort of it's nice to have that kind of thing because you have that uh thing that they do that with together on the sand and nowhere they like to have these songs that sort of merge they like crossfaded through one another, which is, uh, which is interesting and ni- a nice thing to do. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Dying degree again. I, they don't, I really like them, but they don't sort of stand out. And I think that's just a testament to the quality of the other songs on the album rather yeah. than them not being particularly good.
1: No, cause they are, they are solid tracks. Aren't they? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I really, really like them. I think, um, yeah, and I think the Quas is really, really good. The the harmonies, it's really sort of menacing and daunting sounding, mm-hmm. very sort of minor key and um, sort of quite heavy. Um, and then Dying Degree sort of like flies out of it like a phoenix and it feels really, really similar. Um, uh, leading to uh, a song which I'm not that fussed about, I don't know, Fleas. Don't know, how do you feel about that one?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I will admit, of all of the tracks so far, this is one that i i don 't really have much recollection of um mm. i'm sure i didn't hate it otherwise i would have yeah um it would have stood yeah. out, but it 's just yeah. another perfectly reasonable, decent album track
0: yeah, I think uh it's got the 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 hook follow what I say, not what i've done that's catchy it's not a skip but it's um it's not one if they if if they weren't to play... I mean, I know we're going to be seeing all of these songs, and I'm sure live it'll be uh, great, but it's one if I went to see NoFX in the before-they-were-quitting-touring times and they didn't play Fleas, I wouldn't be inconsolable.
1: <laughs> Fair.
0: <laughs> but then we get to a song which... Oh, Laurie Myers.
1: Now, um, didn't you pick this as your favourite NoFX song?
0: I think I did, yeah.
1: And on a re-listen of this album, does it is it is it your favourite track on the album? Does it really stand out?
0: I think it might be. Yeah, I think it it's it's got the speed and instant recognition of linoleum mm-hmm. because it just it just starts all at once. You know, super catchy octave chord work um the guitar everything sounds amazing the drums are a thousand miles an hour and just uh, i think it's possibly the best mix on the album like you can hear everything so clearly so perfectly um and i i also like the fact that um mike's vocal take is different to the printed lyrics Mm -hmm. um because of Presumably, how he just delivered it when he did it, but it sounds—it sounds really, really good. It's Kim Shattuck's vocals on this are just so good. Like when she when she starts off because it and then it and it has all the drama of that weird dissonant that brown. That's a, an F sharp minor chord with some weird accentation on it that is just hanging there with the drums still going clattering in the background really really just fantastic that way and then and then it goes into that slow chugging and the guitars are so heavy on this like the production's like Mm -hmm. metal and her voice on it is just astonishing and then yeah the only the only thing oh, my one criticism is that it's a fade out
1: ah fair i haven't noticed that and not something to expect of no effects
0: No, I didn't mention this, but it's just reminded me. There's a fade-out on Kill All the White Man. There is, yeah. But they also finish the song properly halfway down a (laughs) fade-out. It's the weirdest choice I've ever heard. Go and listen to the end of Kill All the White Man right now. And and it just starts slowly fading out and i don't care for fade outs as a as a song thing right i sort of listening to it and then they stop and you can hear them oh it does yeah it's so weird um yeah sorry that should have been in a previous episode but uh, it's my thing about fade outs I, I sort of you know because the thing is is that they end it amazingly when they play it live and they also play it they also fade it out just by playing their instruments lighter when they're playing it. And then they come back in for like, dun, 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 boom. I'm like, come on, lads, where was that when you were recording it? Where was that 30 years ago? <laughs> that's fine, <laughs> it's fine. Um But yeah, so, so yeah, but that that's the only criticism. And you know what? In the grand scheme of things, I'd much rather live in a world where we had Laurie Myers as we do now than not have it at all. So yeah.
1: Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful. And you know, I think, uh, I think this, Um, part of the album is quite interesting because, you know, obviously we're, we're 12, 13 tracks deep now Mm. um, of uh, you know, and usually their albums are are rarely even that many tracks in length. Yeah. And it feels like the album hits a second wind around this point. I think Laurie Myers and Jeff Wears Birkenstocks are two of the strongest tracks on the album. And it, you know, it it pumps Mm. a little bit of life back into the album as we enter its final act.
0: Yes. Uh Jeff wears Birkenstocks? Uh, I think you're a bigger fan of it than I am. Uh it's fine. Um I like the uh I like the shuffly little status quo riff at the beginning mm-hmm. um and stuff like that. But again, we've got a uh, we've got a, a story of a person who may or may not be real, but they usually are. Um and uh you know, and it's this kind of exciting uh you know uh, sort of story, you know. Oh, is, is Mike making this up, or are they real? Or you know who? Uh, and on the on Wikipedia, the um, there's some notes, and it says uh, the song Jeff wears Birkenstocks was written about Jeff Abata, an epitaph and em- records employee. Mm-hmm. So in 2017, the Birkenstock, Birkenstock company produced a short form documentary about how the song came together, that includes new interviews with the subject uh, on the subject with Jeff and Fat Mike. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Jeff later founded a band called Punk Is Dead that performs punk rock covers of Grateful Dead songs. (laughs) And currently plays bass in Total Massacre as Jeff Massacre.
1: (laughs) And I think it, you know, like, it is a... um... You know, it's a bit of a no effect signature to, mm. to write these songs about just some guy in the punk scene at the time. Yeah. Um yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's kind of like punk in Drublick's I'm Telling Tim.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tim Johannan, I think his name was. Yeah. and t- I'm Telling Tim is one of my absolute favorites. Um yeah. musically, melodically, uh lyric it's just great. Uh but yeah, Jeff West Birkenstocks, um, nice and snappy, keep it short, you know, uh not as short, however as the album's shortest
1: song, which is Punk Guy. I will admit I have no memory of Punk Guy or Happy Guy.
0: (laughs) Punk Guy is the one with the impression at the end, oh, hell, he was even more punk than me. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. This one is one of Mike's um, love letters to punk rock. Uh, Crazier than Gigi, more PC than Ian. So it's like crazier than Gigi Allen, more PC than Ian Mackay. It's... um, it's a list of famous punks and this guy is more whatever they are than all of them Mm -hmm. and it's a a fun I think it's possibly about posers. it's possibly about you know people who try to be that and stuff but it's a, a, a minute long rapid fire little love letter to punk and a sort of a semi-love letter to the posers that are found in it to my ears anyway
1: yeah absolutely
0: uh happy guy yeah i like it it's um it's a weird yeah don't try to judge him he's just a man it's just about a guy who's happy with his lot in life even though um it his life's kind of boring but you know he's doing all right it's kind of sweet really
1: I, I will be honest and say, you know, I can kind of take or leave these two tracks. Um, I'm not fussed about know. Happy
0: Guy so much, but Punk Guy I really like. But. And now we're in uh, Endgame. It's sort of a a low-key ending of this album because we've got Rico, mm-hmm. which is a sort of reggae-ish feeling song about about a sort of a hangover, sort of like, you know, the party's over, there's just a mess in a house after a party.
1: Yeah. And it, you know, again, I know we've mentioned it, but with the lack of scar and uh, reggae influence on the album, I think this one really stands out. Um, And, you know, Rico is one of my, uh, you know, I, I love to see this track live. Mm. Uh, I think it's, I think it's really great in their live set. Cause I think it sort of punctuates a different tempo to a lot of their, There are other tunes, yeah. Um, So I I love it when uh, when they play songs like this and and eat the meek and uh, just something that like slows it down for a few minutes. Um, Yeah, it's you know like it it it's a it's a it's a song that I'm I'm very favorable towards. Uh, I'm pretty sure it it features on their greatest hits. Um, I would think so. so, Yeah, that I've been familiar with for for a long time and. yeah, I, I kind of in, in, intrigued that it's not the last track on the album.
0: It it feels like Scavenger Type is a secret track, even though there's mm. a secret track after it. Yeah. Because it is so weird. I really like it. I think it's a, yeah. a really nice song, but having an acoustic song is pretty rare mm-hmm. in the whole oeuvre. Um and uh again I think it's um I don't know who it's about but uh, you know our protagonist named Bill but is that a real bill? it could be uh, but yeah no one did see him die that's the last um, that's the last line of the album <laughs> It's pretty uh pretty bleak but yeah there's something I really like the guitar sound on it and it's uh, just a little sort of up upstroke chucked um, acoustic guitar, but yeah, I do. It does stick in the mind though.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and again, you know, <laughs> normally secret tracks are tracks, but this is just a collection of impressions Outtakes. and yep. silly voices.
0: Well, the one on uh, So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes is Mike sort of playing the guitar. Playing an unplugged electric guitar, just like on his lap, just like and to a dictaphone, like just sort of humming the uh, some of the songs. It's like a collection of like little demoy bits.
1: Ah, clever. Uh,
0: and so they put that kind of thing on. I think there's one album. The secret track is uh, Howard Stern slagging them off.
1: <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, listening
0: to uh, the "Drugs Are Good" song, which was uh, an EP only, uh, and I think it was even before mike took drugs so uh <laughs> but yeah and uh he's just listening to me what's it no fx no no talent more like uh, of
1: course yeah no i remember that quote
0: yeah yeah uh that's funny yeah so um yeah interesting the um the cover's interesting because it looks like it's just sort of found images put together
1: oh is that what it is that what it is? I
0: think so. It looks like it because it doesn't say who designed it on the on the thing. So, um, yeah, I think it's sort of like these were things cut out of a book or something. and
1: That's interesting. Yeah. Cause the, it, uh, and I do think this is, um, for me anyway, like I think this is NoFX's most iconic uh, album artwork.
0: Yeah, yeah, it probably is, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're not ones for, you know, putting themselves on the cover. There's not going to be like a Blue Album, Weezer-style thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they are, it's very rare that they're sort of very clear photographs. But well, um,
1: They're on the um, uh, Ho uh the, Yes, with they dr- are. With Drugs Don are Ho. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a very silly novelty photo.
0: Yeah, and that's also a seven-inch, I think. So that's just, yes. you know. That kind of thing, but um, yeah. So uh, according to uh, Kerrang, oh, it's uh, still NoFX's most um, most successful album to date, peaking at number twelve on Billboard's Heat Seekers chart. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that is. Um, live in the UK. I've I've heard Billboard charts all the time. I'm like, were they on top of the pups? I don't know. It's you know, I've <laughs> got a clue. But um, oh wow, okay. So all music. Reviewed uh, the album, gave it uh, four and a half stars. So the quartet didn't change their approach at all. I mean, they did. Um, at their core, <laughs> they remain a heavy, speed-addled, hook-conscious, post-hardcore punk group. But their songwriting has improved, as has their attack. I mean, attack, that's a fairly nebulous word. But yeah, it goes on to say <laughs> that uh, apparently the uh, album was a big influence on Cheshire Cat by Blink-182. Yep. Oz Factor by Unwritten Law. Let's talk about Feelings by Lagwagon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some Forty Ones, all killer, no filler. <laughs> don't don't hear it myself. And Anti Flag's The General Strike, which was released in two thousand and twelve. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> like what? I don't I don't know where that's coming from. So um, <laughs> all right, fine. Yeah, I also um, found out that it appears in. Uh, Kerrang!'s 51 Greatest Pop Punk Albums of All Time.
1: Yeah, and it's it's ranked quite highly.
0: Yes, I'm going to give you the top 10 here. I've got this open. The 10, number 10 in the Kerrang!'s Greatest... Uh, this was made in 2017, 2017. So, number okay. 10, The Wonder Years, Suburbia, I've Given You All and Now I'm Nothing, from 2011. Number nine is A Day to Remember.
1: Uh, Oh, okay. It's one of these lists. (laughs) Yeah.
0: uh, Homesick, 2009. Uh, Number eight is All We Know Is Falling by Paramore from 2005. (laughs) Number seven is Smash by The Offspring, 1994. (laughs) Number six is Punkin' Drublick" by No Effects, 1994.
1: Yay.
0: Yay. Number five, Rock and Roll High School by the Ramones,
1: nineteen seventy-nine. Oh, okay. When would you consider that pop punk?
0: I've got, who knows what Kerrang are thinking. The Ram- I mean, the <laughs> thing is, right, is Ramones as sort of their own genre now. Like Ramones Core is a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the queers and um Teenage Bottle Rocket and uh Lillingtons and Screeching Weasel and stuff, it's like that Ramones core is considered a thing. Anyway, uh, number four, Milo Goes to College by The Descendants from 1982. Um, Interesting. I mean, uh, that is definitely pop punk as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, Sticks and Stones by Newfound Glory, 2002. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I said the same. Um, not my favourite. Number two, Dookie by Green Day, 1994. Can't argue that one, really. Well, you can, because... Number one, Enema of the State by Blink-182, 1999.
1: Wow. Wow. I mean, it is, you know, like, look, there is an argument to be made that Enema of the the State is, like, the most quintessential pop-punk album. Sure. In in terms of what the genre became commercially. Sure. uh, I think it's, you know, it's it's recognition worldwide. Worldwide is a little bit... Mm. um, undeniable but yeah. like you know it's i i sort of think that they've
0: got the definition of pop punk not in the least bit nailed down yeah these parameters are so wide open that it sort of doesn't really work yes If you know what are. i mean like if if it was all things like the queers and um you know d- d- you know all those kind of things you know that very that lookout sound you know mm-hmm. um then I'd go, okay, I understand, because then you'd, you know, you'd understand why Descendants were in there and all and all that kind of stuff. But it's sort of, I think, do Kerrang! just mean American punk? <laughs> they might do. Is that what they're doing? American punk from 1990 onwards, because that's what it seemed. I oh, know they've got the Ramones in there. They've got a, an album from 1979 in there, which is. Um,
1: yeah, I'm a bit confused by the Ramones inclusion because I, I mean it, it. It just it just predates pop punk. Like at that time, it yeah. it, it was punk. Like it, it was, was released. Yeah, as... it was
0: it was just punk, no prefix or suffix. Yeah, but anyway, um, I just thought that was an interesting uh, take on what punk and Droblik was about. So, yeah, punk and Drublik. Um My favorite record we've covered so far.
1: Ah, really.
0: Yes, I like it more than White Trash, hmm. and I like White Trash more than all the others. Um,
1: I think I might agree. Yeah,
0: and again, uh, it's just
1: favourite. Don't
0: at me. Um,
1: I think so it's that, the one I like um, the most. I know it's nowhere near as long, but I do think the longest line for me hmm. is a bit more cons- consistent. But you know, oh, well, it's I'm just talking about tracks. I'm talking about full lengths. Yeah, in terms of full lengths, then I think it's
0: definitely the best. Longest Line is there. an EP, and there are lots of debates we can have about the EPs and stuff, and that's all cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to be a bit less Kerrang about it and uh, have a bit more of a, <laughs> a consistent set of parameters to work within. Um, although I imagine Kerrang would want those sweet, sweet clicks. So uh, throw, a not, throw a... Is that really pop punk album in there and get a good debate going online? Because that's really going to drive it. um oh no i've just revealed the awful truth never mind um yeah so uh absolutely i think this one is uh
1: does it deserve to be the most lauded i think there are albums later in their discography which slightly one-up it yep um you know i mean i i i re listened to uh, first ditch effort the other night and mm-hmm. it is pretty incredible in terms of like yeah. songwriting like they've they've come a real long way
0: it's one of my favorites i when first ditch effort came out i was like oh yeah here we go proper yeah. excited by it yeah really really loved it i think um i absolutely get why the band that only two records ago put out ribbed yeah bring out this that's a that's a shift, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Uh, it is. you yeah, go,
0: yeah. whoa, something's happening here. So maybe contextually and of the time, that was that's why it became that way. and they may not have had such a big shift in such a small length of time since that's very possible.
1: Well, I think also it's one of those albums, you know, like um, I, I'm a I'm a big Smashing Pumpkins fan. Um, you are. You know, not a Billy Corgan fan because he's a bit of a prick, but I love the sure. band and how they sound. And there is something inescapable when discussing uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, because when it came out, it was just, um, you know, it was just so relevant and uh, so of its time. Mm. And if you were a teenager at that time, it's difficult to see any other Smashing Pumpkins album as eclipsing it. But I I, I think there are better albums. But, you know, due to when it came out um, and depending on what age you were when it did come out, I I think it makes a lot of sense why it is, uh, you know, held in such high regard.
0: I think it being a double album as well, because it's sort of an investment. And you also get to, and I'm not, Saying that all Smashing Pumpkin fans would do this, but wallow in it. (laughs) You know what I mean? You've you've got two full CDs, and they're not Mm -hmm. like, and it's not like, oh, this one's thirty minutes and this one's thirty minutes. They're nearly burst. They're nearly longer than CDs had capacity for. Those, you know, there's a huge amount of music. You've got a whole evening. You do that. You do that album twice in your bedroom after school. You've not got any evening left you know that, that that's fully taken up it's like watching lord of the
1: rings or some shit you know it's and i believe haven't they just i mean not that i've listened to it i think they've just released a triple album
0: i don't know i've not heard anything they, about what the smashing pumpkins are up I'm to
1: pretty certain this year they have released a triple album well which seems unnecessary particularly because i've only heard one track off of uh, of this album i've heard their first single and it was shit Oh, no. So, you know, three albums of that. <laughs>
0: oh, no. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm excited. The two recent Rancid uh, teasers they've dropped for their new album, they're both great.
1: Well, I liked uh, Rancid's... Um, I was It's not their new album now, but, you know, uh, the, the they released new music one. about seven years ago, and I, I yeah. thought that was pretty, pretty solid.
0: It wasn't my favourite, but this one, I'm really digging it. Uh, Tomorrow Never Comes and that one that's like 56 seconds long and it feels like Let's Go and Rancid 2000 having a little fight and I was like (laughs) "All right, Rancid, okay, okay so yeah, I mean I'm sure that's what they were worried about oh my god, Mm -hmm. someone in the UK isn't as thrilled about our recent stuff as they were about our stuff from the 90s and early noughties, we'd better do something but anyway, it's turned out that way (laughs) So, uh, yeah, cool. Well, um, uh, let's uh, wrap this up in the outro. Uh, this has been uh, Punkin' Droblik. We'll see you on the other side of this music. Well, what do you think people are going to make of
1: our hot takes? You know, I, I think there's going to be a real mix, isn't there? I think there's going to be some listening to this episode that have completely disagreed with us. Some, Oh, that, yeah. Uh... I hope so.
0: You know, it would be frightfully dull for people to just give us a series of thumbs up. Uh, that's not the way you discuss anything you know so um yeah that'll be interesting
1: and we are like super interested in in what your takes are on this album um like we're not sat here uh you know the title of this podcast is ironic (laughs) yes (laughs) when we say it's called Punk Rock Elite that's just because it's the name of a No Effect song. Yeah. We're not sat here telling you what to think about this album.
0: It's the same reason we primarily release on Mondays, Monday is my favorite time of year. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's we're we're just throwing sprinkling in little nods here and there because they amuse us. Um but yeah, um I think yeah, there'll definitely be some people who take Umbridge, there'll be some people who think we pretty much got it spot on and there'll be all those uh, in the middle, I guess. Um and do let us know punkrockelites podcast at gmail.com or find us on Insta or the Facebook page or anything like that. I I hope that it will help people to maybe listen to it again with some fresh ears. I think when you hear mm. other people's perspectives on what they think makes the album a good thing then it it sort of opens your eyes to uh other aspects of it and you go i hadn't even considered that and you know oh that's interesting and you know um because sometimes you listen to a uh, uh, a discussion about a particular album and someone comes up with a perspective you're not familiar with and you go oh that's actually something and then you might even find you know who knows i might even enjoy fleas a bit more <laughs> <laughs> no, I do I do like fleas, it's fine. But yeah, uh, this is the first album we've done w- which I've had a sort of a long established previous sort of relationship with.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and think. it's been it's, it's been fun to to deep dive into that because obviously yeah. we've previously looked at albums that we're not as familiar with. Um I would love if we could do an episode on I heard they suck live next.
0: We can absolutely do. I heard they suck live. I was thinking mm-hmm. we could do heard they suck live, and they've gotten an even worse live as a uh, a double header.
1: Yeah, we could. I mean, like they're quite with a side by
0: side side by side comparison.
1: Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. No, that might be fun. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. When did um, the um, they've actually gotten worse live come out?
0: That came
1: out
0: in 2007, so 12 years later.
1: Ah, uh, okay, sure. Mm. Oh,
0: no, yeah, yep. Uh Yeah, 12 years later, it was released in November of uh, 2007. And... 1995, uh, August 95, they released Heard They Suck Live. I don't think they've got any of the same songs. Oh, that's interesting. And I believe that uh, Smelly's Wife does the vocals on Laurie Myers.
1: Oh, lovely.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And um, what's uh, quite funny is... uh, Oh no we'll save we'll save the uh save the tidbits for that for later. But um yeah that's just uh, you get one free tidbit on this <laughs> and then uh, the rest of it you'll have to wait for. But um yeah let's do let's do the two live albums. I know Ribbed Live in a Dive um but that's a bit different. And The Decline Live and all that stuff we'll do that when we cover The Decline which we will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but yeah let's do the live albums next time. I think that's a good idea absolutely thank you so much for listening everybody we've had a great time uh, always a pleasure to listen to Punk and Droblick. I uh, hope you got something out of it Podcast at gmail.com uh, tell us just how badly we've missed the mark uh, we're, we're always <laughs> happy to hear it um, but yeah we'll uh, we'll see you soon uh, thank you so much Rad
1: thank you so much Eddie
0: oh you're welcome of course and we'll see you again soon bye bye goodbye thank you for listening to punk rock elite it was a pick scraped and fruitcake co-production by eddie french and red redmond if you're not following us on instagram or subscribe to the podcast please do the main theme and production was done by eddie french please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast podcast at gmail.com thank you